0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are of those of myself and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions held by this podcasting platform. The following content is controversial and might be disturbing for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This call will be recorded and subject to monitoring at any time. To accept this call, press 5. To block this call and all future calls, You may begin speaking now. Have you ever heard of the term, she kissed a lot of frogs to get to her prince? I'm sure you have. Well, that was me. At 43 years old, I've had my fair share of failed relationships, situationships, meaningless connections. So about two years ago, I decided I was just going to embrace the single life and continue building my brand and creating a legacy. I never saw myself being married, and definitely, definitely not to an inmate. But life is tricky, huh? So before we jump into the episode, it is time for the cocktail of the day. Today's cocktail of the day is Bloody Mary and i love this drink this is hands down my favorite drink of all times What I love most about this drink is the variety of garnish that you can add to this drink. It's almost like eating a salad. It's amazing. I love it. It's good for breakfast. It's good for brunch. It's good for a hangover. I love myself a Bloody Mary. So today we're either going to use a Collins glass or a pint pub glass, which is typically the glass that people pour beer in when you go to the restaurants. Now, ingredients for today, we're going to use one to 48 ounces, basically six cups of tomato juice or V8, which I prefer V8. Three tablespoons of hot horseradish, and this is a preferred ingredient. I do not like hot things. I don't like spicy food. So horseradish is a no for me, but it might be a yes for you. Three tablespoons of Worcestershire sauce, two and one-fourth tablespoons, sorry, teaspoons of celery salt, three teaspoons of garlic salt, Tabasco sauce, which again is a preferred ingredient. Freshly ground pepper and vodka my preferred vodka of the day will be kettle one now what we're going to do is we're going to take all these ingredients from the v8 to the horseradish the richester sauce the celery salt the garlic salt and the black pepper into a large pitcher you can also season this with 10 to 15 shakes of tabasco sauce if that's your preference and we're going to just mix it up with a tall spoon Put it in a refrigerator for about 15 to 20 minutes to let it chill for a little bit. We're going to take our glass and we're going to rim it with the um, celery salt and the kosher salt. We're going to fill it up with ice. We're going to take two ounces of vodka, pour it in, top it off with the Bloody Mary mix, and add your garnish. Now, Keep in mind, in the Bloody Mary, outside of the celery and the bacon, um, ca- some people do use carrots, make sure you use a skewer. Add all of your wonderful garnish to your skewer. Now, the cool thing about Bloody Mary is you have a variety of different things that you can try. So for the garnish, you can use lemons, limes, celery, cucumber slices, kosher pickle spears, asparagus pickled okra um pickled jalapenos baby corn celery oh i said celery already i got excited um (laughs) and those are just a few now for the protein garnishments you can use bacon oysters cooked shrimp beef jerky or pepperoni sticks steak bites hard boiled eggs or cheese squares for you guys that like it a little spicy you want to add a little bit more seasoning to it you can always add old bay garlic salt garlic powder celery salt smoked paprika lemon pepper Freshly ground pepper or any sort of seasoning salt. For me, I love to top mine with a little bit of pepper and a little bit of salt on top of all the wonderful ingredients I just gave to you guys. But this is a Bloody Mary. Now, If you want to do something super cool for your girls, girls brunch, you can actually create a Bloody Mary bar. I've done this before. It's so cool because Bloody Marys are typically to taste. You have some people who like spicy and some people who don't like myself. I typically make two different kinds of Bloody Mary and I just put all the garnishment out for people to just choose whether they want shrimp, whether they want bacon, whether they want celery, whether they want carrots. I love um, blue cheese. Cheese, fill, olives, all these things make up a wonderful Bloody Mary. I promise you, it's like eating food. It's like having a salad. It gets you full. It does the job. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the cocktail of the day for Bloody Mary. Enjoy. Hey, guys, and welcome to episode 14 of season two. Now, today, the topic is fear and insecurities and how those two things play a major part within your prison relationship or your regular relationship. Now, what is fear? Fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. An instance of this emotion, a state marked by this emotion, anxious concern, profound revenge and awe, especially towards God. Insecurities. Insecurity is best set by fear and anxiety. Always felt insecure in a group of strangers, highly stable, are well adjusted, and Insecure marriage, not confident or sure, uncertain feeling, somewhat insecure of his or her reception. Insecurity may stem from a traumatic event, crisis such as the divorce or bankruptcy or even a loss. It can also result from one's environment as unpredictably and upset in a daily life can cause anxiety, Insecurity about the ordinary or out of the ordinary routines or events. Now, how does this play within a prison relationship? For the inmate, it would definitely be insecurities. For the person on the outside, it would be fear. Those two together can create a lot of chaos within your relationship behind those prison walls. Um, you have several reasons why fear plays a major part for the one on the outside, fear of things not working out, fear of being used, fear of wasting time, um, fear of, of possibly the person on the inside, um, having other things going on other relationships or just flat out fear of what the relationship is going to be when this person comes home especially if your relationship is one that's based on meeting this person while they were incarcerated versus someone who was already in a relationship before your mate went into prison now for the inmate there's a lot of insecurities that the inmate's deal with um the insecurity is due to a lot of mental and emotional things that they go through. You have to realize that a person on the inside is constantly thinking about what you're doing on the outside. You're in the free world. Who are you with? Who are you talking to? Who have you been around? What did you do today? Um, a lot of those insecurities play into their minds because they're not here for the day-to-day for you on a regular basis. Um, your whole entire relationship is based on communication, it's based on phone calls, and it's based on emails. So their insecurities definitely kick in because you're out here in the free world and they cannot be a part of your day-to-day in the physical. So a lot of times... Um, The fear and the insecurity within two parties can definitely create chaos for myself within my relationship, within my marriage. um, In the beginning, there was a lot of fear for me fear of the unknown, fear because I wasn't in a relationship with this person um, before they were incarcerated, fear of time wasted. Um, A lot of different things play into my fear in the beginning, but through a lot of communication, through a lot of getting to know each other better, um, talking things out, a lot of my fears did subside. The insecurity I'm gonna have to give to my husband because i am free and i'm not to say that he is an insecure man because he's not an insecure man but when you are locked up those insecurities can become so aggy for the person who you are with on the outside um when you are a faithful person, when you are a honest person, when you are a person that's really vested in what you have, the last thing you want to constantly hear is someone accusing you of things that you're not even doing. But you have to be empathetic and put yourself in their shoes and understand like they can't call you when they want. They can't pull up when they want. They're not living with you. So you could honestly be telling them what you want to tell them and live a whole different life on the outside and that plays into a lot of the insecurities with the person that you're with who is incarcerated um there are a lot of insecurities that the mates on the outside do deal with because you do wonder is this person talking to other people am I the only person in this relationship um, that they're in the relationship with um and again on the empathetic side due to the fact that you are dealing with someone incarcerated their fear and their insecurities might keep them at that level where it's okay just in case this happens i gotta have a plan b a plan c a plan c a plan b so a lot of times we have to think about the place, the mental and emotional place that our partners are in who are incarcerated and be a bit empathetic towards that just as much as they should be empathetic for us on the outside. We are both treading water within the unknown, especially if this relationship started within the prison system and not on the outside. Even outside relationships still have some kind of fears and insecurities because of course, If you were with your mate before they were incarcerated, a lot of the insecurities are going to kick in because they're going to start worrying about all the things that they did when they were out, are you doing it back to them? Are you getting your day? Are you getting your, Oh, it's my turn. They're going to wonder about that. They're going to wonder if the, their friends, you know, who know that they are away. Are they trying to now talk to you? We, we hear it all the time. We see it all the time. They make movies about it. A lot of times the right hand man steps in and starts messing with this guy's wife, girlfriend, or fiance. So it's a lot of things that play into these type of relationships when you're Dealing with fear and insecurities and they can really take control of your relationship if you do not have a strong foundation you must build a strong foundation so that the fear and the insecurities which you both share will not become a major thing i always talk about communication communication and compromise is definitely key when you feel some type of way talk about it when you have questions ask don't accuse accusing is the worst thing that you can do because of your insecurities or your fear another thing that we always have to have to have to do is we have to take time to be real with ourselves be real with ourselves if we're hurt if we have past hurt Please communicate your past hurt because those past hurt will bring insecurities and those insecurities will start becoming very fearful. You have to heal. You have to heal within yourself so that you can move on because the last thing that you want to happen is you want to take on somebody else's baggage, somebody else's damage, Um. A lot of people have trust issues due to other things that have factored in in previous relationships. And you have to give that next person a fair shot. But fear plays a lot in these relationships. Insecurities play a lot within these relationships. That is why the percentages of relationships and marriages becoming successful after a first year of That your mate being incarcerated is very low because all of these different things set in they definitely set in um you have to also be very very cautious of um the people who are around you you have to be very cautious with the people around you because they will also put insecurities into your head they will also put fears into your head um strictly because of things that they probably have been through or because of things that they don't really understand. You know, when you get into these relationships with someone who's incarcerated, a lot of people are not going to understand. A lot of people are not going to agree. Their opinions are going to be probably more negative than more positive. And if your relationship is not strong, if it's not built on a strong foundation, you are going to question a lot of things. A lot of things are going to be easily put into your head where you'll start thinking um a lot of the negative you'll start becoming very fearful and your insecurities will definitely kick in you have to make sure that you guys are on the same accord and you have to just communicate it's very natural to be afraid it's very natural to um have fear of what could actually happen um the insecurities i feel like is a you problem. Um, Per your experiences, per different incidents in your life, create a lot of insecurities. Um, but again, it's something that I feel like you should bring to the table when you're in these relationships because it's very hard. They cannot, You cannot go to dinner. You cannot make up the same. Your making up is through electronic communication telephone and email. There's no pulling up, there's no dating, there's no hugging, there's no intimate moments to get through those hard times. You have to rely on communication, you have to rely on positive reinforcement, you have to rely on compromising things. Um and definitely you have to communicate your feelings. Um with even within my relationship, within my marriage, it has been a few times where you know, those insecure moments have kicked in and I have been accused of things because I didn't answer at, at a certain time. I emailed um, too late, although there's a three hour gap. Um, I didn't respond. I responded too short. A lot of different things create insecurities when someone is incarcerated. The smallest things because you're out of touch, you're out of sight. Um and it's nothing that they can do. It's nothing that they can do. It's, it, it's it's not possible for them to fix the different things that they could probably fix if they were at home. Um, and a lot of times people just feel like if we're at a bad place, then this person might go do X, Y and Z. Um, and it's natural. It's normal. It's completely normal. But fear and insecurities are two, are two of the most dangerous things. Um, within a prison relationship because like i said it's the unknown it's not really understanding it's not knowing if something is if this is real if this is fake am i being you am i being used am i a benefit um is this person talking to someone else is this person even going to come home to me a lot of times right before the coming home happens you know it doesn't happen Or, or when this person comes home Are they going to be the person that they said they were going to be while they were incarcerated? We have to keep in mind the person that they are while they are incarcerated is not the person that nine times out of 10 they'll be when they come home only because... Now we're in a free world. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of different things now that they can do that they wasn't able to do. They have nothing but time. They can give you so much attention. But when they come home, a lot of that attention is is all over the place. They have friends, they have families, they have children, you know, they have business. They have all kinds of things now that are coming back into their lives, coming back into play. So a lot of those things will play on you if your foundation is not strong. You have to be very aware of who you are and who you're with so that these two components, because they're very, very serious, they will destroy your relationship they will destroy everything that you have built up and a lot of times it's really because of the fact that it's totally totally a no go um for me insecurity is like a red flag um i put insecurity jealousy and envy kind of in the same bowl together it's there it's very dangerous um in, in my opinion, it's, 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 it's a complete turn off. You know, when you're constantly asking a person who you talking to, where you at, what you doing, why you didn't answer my call, why you didn't this, why you didn't that for a person who is strictly 100% invested in this relationship for a person who's faithful for a person who is literally just out here living their life and trying to move forward with the things that they need to do to help their lives be productive that is one of the most irritating things for someone is to be constantly questioned and constantly accused because of your insecurities But we also have to factor in that when you're dealing with someone incarcerated, it is quite naturally for insecurities and fear to kick in due to where they are, due to what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, Being an adult, having to restructure your life, being told what to do, how to do, when to do, it brings on insecurities as well. You're not your normal functioning self. Um, having fear of a person walking away from you when you're at your lowest is a lot of things that they deal with. So I just encourage all couples, not just couples who are, you know, prison-related couples, but just all couples to work on having a strong foundation. Communicate your feelings. Um, communicate your insecurities. Communicate your your fears. Help each other out with those. You know, give positive affirmations. Um, you guys are supposed to be able to build each other up, help each other up. This is a relationship and a love that you guys share together. And in order to have a strong foundation, these are the things that you have to talk about. But you also have to know that these are the things that are going to play into it at times, but you can't let it defeat your relationship. You can't let it defeat your thoughts. Um, as I always say, don't be a fool, don't be stupid. You know, pay attention to signs, pay attention to red flags. But within these relationships, these are the two things that are very, very hard to um deal with at times. So you have to just work with each other, love on each other, and just commune. Kate, communication is everything. I can remember somebody telling me communication rules the nation. I can't remember who used to say that all the time, but some, one of my friends used to always say communication rules the nation, but communication is very, very important. when you're having these relationships because fear is serious, insecurities is serious, it's a quite it's quite natural. Um we go through life we experience things, we have trials and tribulations, we have trauma, a lot of things bring them on and we don't want to push that into our relationships and cause it to be the end of our relationships because of things that we have going on within ourselves, within our personal um Struggles and issues, fear, and insecurities two ugly things. Um, it's just like time, like idle time, devil's playground, two ugly, ugly things. But, guys, you can work through it, talk through it, love through it, communicate through it, most of all, get you right heal you first. Therefore, you won't put so much fear and insecurities into the person that you love. And that is my topic of the day. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is episode 14 of season two. Okay, guys, so now it's time for my story of the day. Now, y'all know when I sigh, it is probably some shit with my story. But I'm going to piggyback off of my topic of the day and talk about how my amazing and handsome husband has been having nightmares. Now these nightmares are coming from this rocky place that we've been in for the past couple of weeks. And again, this is where the fear and the insecurity comes in when you are pondering and thinking of everything negative as possible. Um, And with him, He swears like, you know, our souls are connected. Our spirits are connected. You know, he can feel everything that I'm feeling and I'm thinking. So he just knows that it is something that I am not telling him that is going on with me. And he just knows it because his dream had confirmed it. (laughs) And this is not the first time. The last time he did this, I had to tell him like straight up. Your gut and your intu- uh, intuitions are so wrong; it's ridiculous. So, because we've been in this rocky place, um, he's been thinking a lot. You know, um, when again, when you're incarcerated, you cannot fix a situation as you could if you were home. So, not being able to really physically see me know what's really going on um can't fix it just all kind of stuff was going through his mind because we were in this rocky place this rocky place had a lot to do with you know the the hard conversations we start having you know with my detox my spiritual detox just different things that we started talking about those hard conversations those things that were that needed to be said, that hadn't been said and different things like that. And of course, you know, with us having those conversations, you know, all the answers and all the responses were not going to be with what either one of us really wanted to hear or actually like, but it's a detox and it's a part of my journey and you know, hey, this is where we are. So with this rocky place that we're in and us having these hard conversations now, his fears and insecurities have set in. So he's going to bed and he's having these dreams, which clearly are nightmares. And he's emailing me like, okay, I know it's something you're not telling me. My gut telling me, my dreams telling me, my intuition telling me, blah, 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 blah. And I had to really explain to him, like, you know, I love you. Um, I am up every day handling my business, doing everything that I need to do right now. In this mental place that I am, I'm in, in this emotional place that I'm in, I don't have time to, you know, be out here doing whatever it is that your dream has told you that I am doing. It's because we're in this place, you know, we're in this rocky place. You're going to bed thinking about things and these feelings will definitely creep into your dreams. That's why they try to tell you before you go to bed, pray, you know, try to think about positive things because your subconscious will start kicking in while you're sleeping. And the result will be these type of crazy ass dreams that he has been um. <laughs> Gavin, but he's so off and he's so wrong and it is so crazy because I too have had weird dreams but I'm different with my dreams with my dreams I wake up and I try to process what this dream means. I'm an energy person. Um, I have a lot of books on dreams, a lot of books on Zodiac, a lot of books on crystals, a lot of books on Buddhism and things like that. So I try to channel what my dreams mean. I know that majority of the time, the things that I'm dreaming or we're dreaming is not really what it is. Subconsciously, it's other stuff. It could be warnings. It could be signs. It could be anything. So for me, when I have... Have those dreams, the first thing I do is wake up and I try to assess my dream. I go to my dream, my various dream books. If I do not already know what the meaning is, most of the time I kind of already know because this is what I do. So I go on my dream book, you know, I'll burn my incense, light my candles, you know, even sage certain things around me because I'm trying to channel what these dreams mean. Instead of emailing him saying <laughs> I had a dream that you such and such and such and such and this is what going on and we was doing this and we, no, I'm, I'm just different when it comes to that. But I do understand, you know, when we are feeling a certain type of way, when things are a little rocky, things are a little shaky, you know, we go to bed with this on our heart, this on our mind. And so I try to tell him like, just pray before you go to sleep. And he's really good at praying before he goes to sleep. He's really good at praying for us before he goes to sleep, praying for my mental, his mental. But it is so crazy how these things creep into your dreams, which again, brings on a lot of fear, which brings on a lot of insecurity. But this man be so wrong, but it'd be so funny because he really will say, you know, we connected, we connected, our spirits connected, our souls are connected. I can feel it. I can feel it. It's something you need to tell me. and i be like, it is, you're crazy as hell, but I get it. I 100% get it, but I have to always give positive reinforcement and just let him know, like, hey, you are really tripping. Now, tell me what the dream was so maybe I can help you figure out what this actual dream really means outside of you thinking that I am doing something. But again, this is Things that you go through when you're in these relationships with someone who's incarcerated, it is very hard for them to assess certain things because they cannot get to you, they cannot wake up to you, they can, they're not at home with you, they can't pull up on you, they can't call you, and these are the times where again that strong foundation has to kick in because trust me, it has been times where it drives me bonkers. I mean, I really be like, oh my god, here you he go again. What is he talking about? Especially again when you. You are a person that's really out here, like really handling your business and being 100% faithful to the person that you're with. And the last thing on your mind is some other dude or whatever. And I've even had to tell him before. Listen, somebody going to have to come with some real paperwork for me to get for them to get my attention. I'm out here trying to do so much and hold down so much and build so much. I mean, I just really don't have the time. Like I'm 100% with who I am with and he has nothing to actually worry about. But when he goes to bed thinking crazy, this is actually what happens. I can remember I had a dream that I was out somewhere with LeBron James or something. Oh my God. And I'm telling him like, yeah, you know, I had a dream I was on a date with LeBron James. Now I'm not a basketball, a real, real big sports person. I want to say I was watching something on TV, a game or something, or a documentary or something. I have no idea why LeBron James crept into my dreams. But when I told him about this dream, he drug out LeBron James in my dream for so long. Like, it's if I just really wanted... I'm like, I'm not even attracted to LeBron James. Like, no way, no how, nothing. My all-time favorite crush in basketball has been... um jesus shuttlesworth if you do not know who that is look it up i'm not gonna tell you but this man and his his nightmares this man and his nightmares but it's really because we have really been in this um in this rocky place in our relationship just trying to figure some things out you know with me going through the things that I'm going through uh, with this detox and this spiritual detox and things like that, getting closer to God or whatever, you know, I we have we're been, we've been having some very, very deep um, conversations and they are conversations that will make you think, make you feel some type of way so I 100% understand I don't ever just really get mad at him sometimes it's a little irritating and annoying and he knows it because he'll come right back and be like, fuck it, let me just go to bed I'm tripping, you know what I'm saying I need to get the fuck up out of this prison. And that's nine times out of 10, what it really is when you have someone that's incarcerated. They're in there and their mind is just all over the place. Their mind is completely all over the place. And the one thing that we have to do as the spouses on the outside is protect, help to protect their mental. But that is my story of the day, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me on episode 14 of season two having a spouse incarcerated isn't easy you go through a lot emotionally mentally and it can become a financial burden as well fed up wives is my nonprofit organization that's set to help wives and families of federal incarcerated inmates we provide counseling emotional support and financial assistance for inmate phone calls Postal correspondence, visitation expenses, and back to school assistance. To contact us, email fedupwives.org at gmail.com or call 404 543 8688. Now back to the show. You've got mail okay so let me dig in this bag of mail that i have and see what you guys have asked me today so the first question is how did you and your husband meet okay this is a long answer but i'm gonna try to make it as short as possible um and clearly you are a new listener so thank you for tuning in but um my husband is my best friend's uncle um that's how I met him we didn't really hang around each other or anything like that I would see him from time to time I saw him when he um first came home the first time he um went to prison or whatever which I explained in the very very few um very first few episodes um of wetlock chronicles podcast but i had met him before hung out with him before with her and then i would just see him sporadically not a whole lot um throughout the years me and her have been friends for about 15 years now so i wouldn't really see him that much a year before before he was incarcerated this time around is when i really start hanging out with him more and that's because i was helping him with his entertainment company so i was helping him um do like distribution stuff booking his uh, him and his artists for different shows um club appearances and different things like that so our relationship was really platonic and we were friends and we also did business together um I want to say when he was incarcerated this time around, we were still pretty much in contact before it happened. Um, but once he was arrested and locked up or whatever, I I really, you know, didn't communicate with him for a while. And I want to say about three months into him being uh, um, incarcerated or whatever, and he was at the holding facility, um, his niece reached out to me. My best friend reached out to me and was like, you know, hey, um, I'm gonna send him your email. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, cause we were cool. We were friends. We had a platonic friendship. I had no problems about that. Plus, you know, I, he still wanted me to do some things business-wise for him. So we started communicating, I want to say three to four months, um, from the time he was incarcerated this time around, which was in 2019. And, um, I mean, our friendship was just our friendship. It was still platonic. We were still cool. We communicated almost every day, sometimes every other day. Um, And as the time went on, like everything else, you know, we start getting a little bit more closer. We start opening up to each other about our personal lives and, you know, personal interests and things like that. Um, And then, of course, you know, we really kind of Admitted you know that we liked each other. This was something I think we had already knew when he was on the streets But we never acted on it Um, Partly for me. I can't speak for him But partly for me is because my relationship with his niece, for one And I do know that that kind of changes the dynamic things get a little sticky things get a little personal And so I just really didn't want to cross that line And so once we start really getting closer and start talking more um you know, we start talking about our interests and, you know, Hey, you know, when I come home, we're going to date, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And I was cool with it. I was like, okay, you know, he get out, we'll kick it. But I was still on my single girl shit. Okay. And so <laughs> I remember telling him like, yeah, you know, you come home, you know, we could go out, we could kick it, you know, but in my mind it was like smash and dash and i actually said that to him and he was like what the fuck like i don't think that a girl had ever just really came to him and was like yeah i'm gonna hit it and i probably just (laughs) leave your ass alone at that point and we we talked about it we joked about it you know and we just really got super 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 close and once we got to that closeness that place um I ended up reaching out to my best friend like, hey, um, this is what's going on, you know, and I wanted to talk to you first to see how you felt about it, because I promise if she would have been like, no, I'm not comfortable with this or no, I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't really want you guys to do this because we're friends. I don't, you know, anything like that i would have dated it right then um because out of respect you know that's just how i am i'm very loyal i'm very respectful and you know her response was really like you know let me talk to him first because i know how he is and once it got to that place that she was okay with it um we just kept talking we kept talking and it grew it grew and the rest is history and this is where we are today um but that's exactly how we met we were um you know cool because of his niece and once he was incarcerated um you know we we start communicating at that point and that's pretty much all that she wrote okay so let me see next question hold on i am presently trying to respond to someone calling my phone, that I told them that I was actually recording. Okay, so next comment or question. I am loving your drink of the day. Thank you so much. You know I'm a bartender by heart. I love it. It's promote this the funnest, funnest, that's probably not a word, but (laughs) it is the most exciting job you can actually have. I love it. I've been doing it for a very long time. And I wanted to kind of bring something different to the podcast, especially with, you know, the wives and the girlfriends and the fiancés who are listening, you know, something that we could just, you know, enjoy together. Um, Whether it be brunch, whether it be lunch, whether it be dinner, however you guys move, I just wanted to bring something different that, you know i could share with you guys and you could share with your your girlfriends and your friends or whatever and i love making cocktails so i just thought it would be the perfect thing to add to this podcast so thank you very much and be on a lookout if you are a member of patreon the recipes are on patreon and eventually i will have a um a a cocktail book so thank you thank you so much um next question or comment how is this spiritual journey helping your relationship (sighs) oh um okay at first I'm gonna be honest I was really afraid that it was going to um change it drastically because a lot of times when we get to a place sometimes our partner is not in that same place I didn't want I did not want to push or force my journey on him and so speaking to him about my journey I was really apprehensive about it at first because First of all, I didn't want him to think I was going to turn into this preacher lady, the church lady, you know, like, oh, you know, God said this and oh, the word is this. And uh, I didn't want him to think I was, you know, going to change who I was. Um, the other thing is that I didn't want him to feel as if. Me looking at things differently and me changing was going to change our relationship or act like I was better than him or, you know, I reached this different level than him. So I was very apprehensive to really um, talk to him about it and express to him how I really felt about it, Um, especially when a lot of my feelings started to change about certain things in our relationship and how I wanted to move differently and do things the right way. And, you know, how to make our relationship stronger and better and things like that. Um, I didn't know how he was going to feel about that. Um, because of this spiritual journey that I'm taking extremely, extremely serious. Um, I just didn't know, I didn't know how it was going to affect, how it was going to affect us at first, but, Right now, where we are now, I would definitely say it's helped a lot. Um, he tells me every day, you know, he's really proud of the changes that I'm trying to make. Um, very proud of this the journey that I'm on. You know, he definitely 100% supports. You know, my mental on it. You know, supports my emotional on it. We talk about God a little bit more. Um, we talk about praying a little bit more. I mean, he is incarcerated, so you know definitely that spiritual aspect and getting closer to god is something that i also feel like is will help his situation you know i pray a little bit different i pray a little bit harder um so it's actually helping. It's actually helping. It, I was afraid at first, very apprehensive at first, but it, it's it's really helping because again, a lot of times when you go on these journeys, it's very personal. It's very personal for you. It's sometimes it's just your time. When God speaks to you, it's your time and everything outside you have to, kind of just remove yourself from from a for for a second to really figure out what's going on what what does he need from you where is this where is this uh journey taking you and a lot of times um it, it, it ruins a lot of relationships and friendships because people are not really understanding that it has nothing to actually do with your relationship or your friendship it's just something that you're on um and that's where I am with that, and I'm just really, really glad that he really, really understood and um, was very open about the changes that I'm trying to make in my life. You know, they're all for the good, they're all for the positive, and they're definitely helping um, our relationship. But it was a, it, it was, it was a struggle in the beginning. But right now, everything is so much better, so much better. Okay, next question or comment. Being in a prison relationship is hard. I myself was in one for six years. There were a lot of ups and downs. Eight months before his release, we broke up due to my fear of things just not working out and the pressure of it all. Are you nervous for the day that he comes home and where you are now? Do you think that you'll make it until then? Whoa. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to read that again to myself for a minute. So am I fearful? Well, I'm sorry. Am I nervous for the day that he comes home? Of course, definitely of course. I'm nervous for a lot of different reasons, um but but mainly my nervousness is excitement. Um but at the same time, you have to remember that when he went in, we were just cool. We were just friends. We were not in each other's personal life, um, even hanging around each other. You know, I think we probably hu- we hugged a few times. It was just never like that. We were really good platonic friends and 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 in business together. So definitely nervous about the interaction. Like, how we gonna vibe together? Um, personally, you know, in a in a um intimate, uh, uh, setting. I don't mean like sex, but just, you know, the first hug, the first kiss, like everything is going to be, I'm going to be nervous. I mean, I think we're both going to be nervous. Um, then of course, making sure the energy is going to be good. I mean, how we are right now, you know, the way we communicate, email, talk on the phone, you know, how we got so close and how strong our bond really is. It's amazing. I can't say that, um, I mean, I can't say that to the true definition because amazing is kind of watered down, but it's, it's truly amazing. And so it's kind of like, okay, is this going to be the same when he gets out? Like, is this vibe? Is this energy gonna still be the same so of course i'm nervous about that but again my nervousness is more of excitement like i can't wait to like really do life with him i can't wait to hang with him and kick it with him because we're still friends too we still have an amazing friendship so um i'm not really 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 nervous um Excited, yes, probably have a lot of nervous energy when we get around each other. I probably would feel a little high schoolish at first, but n- no, nothing bad. Nothing my nervousness, I can't really say is really bad. Um, of course, you know, nervous about is this really? gonna work out you know what I'm saying I mean of course those kind of things um do play in the back of my mind but overall I'm not really nervous in a negative way as far as where I am now do I think I can make it until then absolutely like um i continuously keep saying i am actually happy like i'm happy with who i am i'm not content with certain things in my life because i'm very ambitious i'm very goal-driven but i am happy with who i am um there's always room for improvement you know it's a lot of things that i want to do and um stuff like that but as far as where i am with him right now yeah we're good like we're good Our communication has definitely helped us. Our friendship has definitely helped us. Um, It's our relationship. You know what I'm saying? And we fight. We both fight for each other. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. This is the first relationship that I probably ever had where somebody was really fighting for us. You know? And we fight for each other. We fight for our relationship. We when we get into it or we have our ups and downs and, you know, we don't see eye to eye on certain things, we fight through it. We communicate through it. We really don't want to give up on each other at all. Um, which makes our bond a whole lot stronger. And, um, and that's the most important thing. I'm going to be honest with you with this new journey that I'm actually on. If it wasn't for the fact that we were in a relationship, we probably wouldn't be talking and not to say anything negative, but right now where I am, like the only people I communicate with literally is my mom, my brother and him and my cousin who lives with me outside of that. I really have had to self isolate and kind of just cut the world off because I need to figure some things out for me and where I want to go and where this journey is taking me. Um, So our communication and the way we are now, I mean, of absolutely. I, I have I can't really say, no, I don't think we gonna make it. You know, he be doing this and he be tripping and stuff like that. Like, no, because we fight through it. We fight for our relationship, we fight for our love, and we don't really give up on it. And so, yeah, I I definitely, I definitely can see making it until then I don't I don't really feel like I'm gonna be giving up or nah you know I can't really deal with this like we have some really really honest conversations and I'm gonna be honest with you if I was gonna dip. Deal- I would have dipped in the beginning because in the beginning is when all the bullshit is talked about. It's when all of the shit is on the table. Some things aren't said the way they need to be said. Some things aren't really talked about in the beginning because of course, you know, that thought process of, oh, if I say this, they won't fuck with me no more or, you know, but eventually those conversations come out too. So if I was going to dip, it would have been in the in the beginning definitely in the beginning so to answer that in a short version yes i'm i'm nervous but my nervous is based on excitement um and i'm definitely where i am today i definitely know i will make it until the end And that is all for the Q&As, guys. Thank you so much. Please continue to email. Please continue to comment. I have a lot of emails and comments that I have to get through because, I mean, you guys have been emailing me since... the third or fourth episode. So thank you guys so much. Please keep them coming. If I don't respond to them on this platform, I always respond back via email. So thank you guys again so much for tuning in. This is episode 14 of season two. So now it's time for the beam of the day. The Course of True Love Never Did Run Smooth and that is by William Shakespeare and that concludes the meme of the day. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode 14 of season two. So ladies, self-care is so important now more than ever. That's why when it comes to my skincare, I use Clean Rituals Complete Serum. The benefits are impressive. Clean Rituals keeps your skin smooth, reduce signs of aging, gives you that radiant look, most of all maintains healthy looking skin. I love this serum, guys, and trust me, you will too. Aging is a fact of life. Looking your age is not. Visit CleanRituals.com and start your healthy skin care now. That's K-L-E-A-N-R-I-T-U-A-L-S dot com. Now back to the show. Babe. What's up, baby? I love you. I love you too. Okay, so for the extra report... <laughs> do i need to give y'all a report because he's been all up and through this entire episode with his shenanigans but he's doing amazing he's doing great he has his minutes thank you jesus um i talked to him this morning we laughed about a a few crazy things we done said in our emails he's being productive he's still working in the kitchen he's still working out um he's just being really really positive very positive very um supportive very proactive um i sent him some pictures of some cakes and just different things i try to um send him all the stuff that i have going on even like with the freedom fest i sent him pictures of that i sent him pictures of some new mock-up merchandise um but he's doing amazing he's doing good he's doing what he needs to do um to make this time go by, you know, he's, he's trying to stay busy. He's trying to stay positive. Um, and that is really it. Like that is besides him having these crazy ass dreams with his, uh, you know, cause we so spiritually connected and our souls are connected. Um, outside of that he's doing great he is very appreciative that you guys continue to keep him in your prayers continue to keep him lifted up i myself am definitely appreciative for that as well especially for prayers for me (laughs) because lord knows lately i have been needing them but yes he's doing amazing um great you know really just Doing his time, doing his time, trying to make the best out of it. But of course, definitely he is ready to get out of there, ready to come home. Um but yes he's doing really really good guys thank you so much again for keeping him in your prayers keeping him uplifted that is the best thing that we can do for our our loved ones that are incarcerated is just continue to pray for their safety pray, pray for their mental and pray for their emotional so that is all I have on the extra report thank you guys so much for tuning in now in life There are three sides to every story. The truth, the lie, and the third side. And then it's our version of the third side. Join myself and my co-host, Brandon, as we bring you a new podcast, a truth podcast, where we break down some of the craziest stories fake news, true life, and more from the sides of the people involved in our slightly tipsy, possibly drunken perspectives of their side. The third side dropping July 25th. Listener discretion is strongly advised. This will not be your average podcast. The third side podcast dropping July 25th. Drink responsibly. So today, on a serious note, I want to talk about what is a court-ordered evaluation. When a person is accused of a crime, the court may order that they undergo a court-ordered evaluation. Now, this is a process through which the accused is assessed to be determined their mental state and whether they are fit to stand trial. Due to the complex nature of legal proceedings, courts have developed various methods and measures to evaluate cases. One such process is a court-ordered evaluation, also known as a mental health evaluation or an independent evaluation. With the assistance of a lawyer, it may be requested that the court order an independent evaluation before proceeding with another stage of legal action. A court order evaluation is not mandatory in all cases. Still, it can be helpful in determining whether the case meets specific criterias or conditions before moving forward with legal action. Now, what is actually a court order evaluation? Um, this is a process in which a mental health professional is ordered to produce a report for the court system detailing the results of a mental health evaluation or more of one or more parties involved in this legal proceeding. The valuation may involve psychological or psychiatric or mental health exams of the individual in question to provide more information about the person's condition and situation. The report will likely include an analysis of the individual's mental state, uh, sorry, psychological condition and current function level. Now, the evaluation findings are then typically used by the court as evidence for their decision in the case. A court order evaluation is a procedure utilized in the justice system to examine a person's mental health. It is often initiated by the court to gain more information about the mental health of a person who has filed a lawsuit or has been accused of a crime a court order evaluation may also be used in a child custody case where a person's mental health is thought out to be a factor now this is very important now who can actually request these evaluations a court order evaluation is initiated by the party who wants an assessment performed on another party the person's ordering the evaluation is the petitioner in legal terminology A party may request an evaluation if they believe another person's mental state is relevant to the case. This determination is up to the court's discretion. The petitioners of the court order request evaluations may commonly include the prosecutors. Now, when a prosecutor um, requests this, it's when a person is charged with the crime. The prosecution may request the court order of a mental health evaluation evaluation. This is typically done when the prosecution believes the defendant's mental state may be relevant to the case. This can include when the defendant's mental state could affect their ability to understand the proceedings or assist in their defense. Defense attorneys may also request mental health evaluation in some cases too. This is the most common in cases involving intellectual disability where the defense believes the defendant's mental state may affect their ability to understand the proceedings or assist in their defense. The plaintiff's counsel in a civil case, the plaintiff's counsel may request mental health evaluations to further their case. This is most common in a personal injury or workers' compensation case where the plaintiff's mental health is thought to be relevant to the case now there are a few things to keep in mind when this occurs if you or someone you know has been ordered to undergo a court order evaluation there are a few things that should be kept in mind the court order evaluation process is conducted specifically by trained mental health professionals who will assist your mental state and whether you fit to stand trial The evaluation process is divided into clinical interview and a sanity hearing. The clinical interview is conducted by a mental health professional who will ask you questions about your life, criminal history, and current mental state. The clinical interviews aim to determine whether you are suffering from any mental illness, or disorder that would prevent you from understanding the charges against you or participating in your defense. The second part of the court order evaluation is the sanity hearing. This hearing is before a judge at which your mental state will be assessed. You will be asked questions about your crime, your criminal history, current mental state. This aims to determine whether you are fit to stand trial. Now, if you have been ordered to undergo a court order evaluation, it is essential to understand what the process entails and what you can expect. Now, for my personal feelings about mental evaluations, if you guys have been with me from the beginning of me podcasting, um, once I start using my platform for family members of people that are incarcerated are for the actual incarcerated people that wanted to tell their story, wanted to use their voice. If you're familiar with the things that I talk about the most, is your human rights, the violation of your human rights, and the mental state of some of these incarcerated people. I think it is very important that we Try to step into the shoes of some of these people and the thing, and the and the crimes, are the reactions uh, that come with the crimes that are committed. I talk about CTE a lot. I talk about um, fight or flight. I talk about the McNaughton rule a lot. And the reason why I do this is because outside of me being an empathetic person, I like to use my brain. I like to really, really think. And sometimes, me thinking makes me think that people don't use their brain because some of the times it's so like right there in your face. Um, These evaluations are very important and I think everybody should request them. I think that everyone should request a psych evaluation um especially when their mental is in question or due to the nature of the crime. And I will give you a few examples. We'll take Chris Bennett for instance. Christopher Bennett, if you guys haven't listened, but make sure you go back a couple of episodes and I'll, you know, you'll hear the story of Christopher Bennett. But Christopher Bennett murdered his stepfather for molesting his five-year-old sister. He walked in on him on his stepfather molesting his five-year-old sister. Christopher Bennett was also molested by this man as well. If you put yourself in his shoes and you see the person that victimized you, your predator, preying on your five-year-old little sister, I cannot help but to think, you would snap. You would snap. You see your predator now victimizing a helpless child at five years old. Where does your mind go? Where does your mind go? You're not even thinking clearly at this point. There's no way that you can. You were victimized. Now you're back into a victim's mental space and this is what happens. Let's take John Kite, for instance. John Kite is now serving 30 years because he decided to protect some teenagers from being shot. Him and his girlfriend, when it confronted somebody that had been doing some, some touching and, and, and doing some things to her younger daughter underage daughter and it resulted in them trying to go and have a conversation that turned into the okay corral john kite decided to protect these teenagers because this other individual started shooting at these children john kite is a convicted felon he was a convicted felon with a firearm but so was the other party a convicted felon with a firearm The only reason why his girlfriend, his uh, girlfriend's daughter, her boyfriend at the time, and her friend at the time are alive now is because he took action. He decided to protect them and shot back. Fight or flight. Everything in your brain goes to something else your normal thinking process shuts down and another part of your brain kicks in where the only thing you're trying to do is survive you're trying to survive but John Kite is now doing 30 years because his decision of fight or flight which was to protect and also protect himself which he ended up getting shot himself this is where he went mentally let's take Brian Nichols for instance I personally believe that Brian Nichols suffers from CTE. He has been a football player his whole entire life and I really think the thought of him going to jail for a very long time um, mentally did something to him. If you're if you are feeling as if you're about to go away for a long time for something that you did do, something you feel like you didn't do. I can't really touch on the guilty or not guilty fact. I'm only talking about mental, uh, the mental part. When you suffer from CTE, you have a lot of paranoia going on. Everybody is against you. A lot of things kick in. And I really think because of him suffering from CTE, the aggression kicked in and that's why... Everything took place at that point. It was fight or flight. I do not want to spend the rest of my life in jail for something that I'm telling these people that I did not do. Now, let me be clear on this. By no means am I making an excuse for anybody. By no means am I trying to um, say they're wrong, they're right, or anything like that. This is my opinion. This is how I feel about it. I am not trying to discredit or disrespect the families of these people and take away from their, you know, their struggles and the things that they went through and the loss of life that they had to deal with at all. But this is my platform and this is how I feel when it comes to the mental state when these things occur Matthew Baker Jr. this is one of the most important cases to me to date right now Matthew Baker Jr. now sits in jail fighting for his life literally they are trying to give this boy the death penalty The person who actually murdered these teenagers, John Koski, has admitted to his guilt, signed a plea, was given 166 years, I believe, but yet they're trying to give Matthew Baker Jr., who had nothing to do with this crime, did not kill anybody. They're trying to give him the death penalty. Now, I'm going to paint a picture for you from, from my standpoint. If I meet you... Two weeks prior, let's just say two weeks prior, and I'm only saying two weeks prior because my point is I really don't know you. You have not been my friend for a long time, uh, for a year, five years, 10 years. And honestly, even the length of time doesn't actually mean you actually know somebody. We never know who people really are. You can be laying next to somebody who could blow your brains out one morning and just wake up and that's it. So, if I meet you and I really don't know you, I only been around you a few times and you seem pretty cool. But I also know, you know, what's been told to me, what's been shared to me, is that you know you you have a a, a mental deficiency. You're you're either schizophrenic, bipolar, whatever the question, whatever the case may be. You suffer from some kind of mental disease. I know this about you, but for the most part, you're okay. You're cool. If I'm somewhere and my friend gets a phone call. Hey, pick me up. Come do this. I think these people are trying to attack me. Your paranoia. The other person on the end's paranoia has kicked in and and they're making a phone call for someone to come get them. I hop in the back seat. I'm riding along. I don't have the car. I don't own the car. The phone call that was made was not to my cell phone. I don't even have a cell phone. But when we get to this location, the person who has murdered these chi- these kids decides to call on me. Hey, tell Rashida to come down here. You got to stay up there. I don't know what's going on. All I know is this man called. He's freaking out. He's saying people, you know, trying going against him. These people are against him or whatever the case may be. Once I come to the scene and I have seen that you have killed some people, bodies laying around, at this point, I don't trust you. I don't know if you're going to turn on me. All I know is I need to do whatever I need to do to get the hell up out of this situation and away from you. If you decide you want to jump in a car with us at this point, whatever we got to do so that I can make out of make make out of this situation alive because I just seen what just happened. I, I saw the aftermath. At this point, I'm a I'm a victim too. I am trying to not become your victim, so I am a hostage at this point. I am going to do whatever I need to do to survive, to maintain, and keep my life. We have seen it so many times in movies and TVs and news articles where victims just go along with the assault because they just want to live. Their main goal is to take whatever they got to take, whether they're being abused, raped, victimized, or whatever, but their whole goal is to make it out this situation alive alive I walk up on the scene and I see a hectic heinous horrifying situation the way Matthew Baker Jr. did I am definitely not going to go against the grain I'm not bucking on this system because now I am a part of this situation because you have told me to come down here I do not know what you're going to do to me or the people who came with me So if it's to get away from that and you have to come, hey, it's whatever. I I just want to make it out of this situation alive. And for the life of me, I don't understand how the person who came along for the ride that does not own the car, does not even own a cell phone that was called for everybody to pull up and with this situation, how is this person an accomplice and not the person that was driving and not the person that was called? And if I can recall, I want to say he was in the back seat, but I don't give a damn if he was in the front seat. I do not know this man. And what's even more disturbing is Jacob Kosky has admitted that nobody had anything to do with this. He acted. He was already going through it. He had already told the people before they even let him out the prior situation that he was mentally unstable and he did not want to come out of there. He knew that something was going to happen. He knew he was sick. He knew it. He knew it. He took a plea thinking that his plea was going to help Matthew because he knew Matthew had nothing to do with it. But Matthew is the only one out of this situation that is still incarcerated, still sitting, and still fighting for his life. Why hasn't he had a psych evaluation? Why hasn't he had a mental evaluation? Jacob Kosky did. Jacob Kosky did. You can actually... Ask for this. Is your constitutional right to ask for this? So I really think that mental evaluations is something that should be talked about more. I think that depending on the crime that is committed, I think that people should have these evaluations done because I think that people should know where you are mentally before and after something like this takes place. After fight or flight, once you get out of that survival mode, all of the things that go on in your brain mentally, all your endorphins, all these things settle. They settle. I've talked about this before. Even your blood clots, just in case you get injured or anything, so you won't bleed or bleed to death or whatever. These psych evaluations are very, 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 very important. They really, really are. And I really think if we took the time to have these things done, we would probably better understand the reaction to a lot of things that have happened. If you go to the doctor right now and you get hit on the knee with that little hammer, the first thing that's gonna happen is your leg is gonna jump. Instant reaction, instant response. You can't stop it, you can't help it, you can't even tell your mind, leg don't move. It doesn't happen. It's automatic. It is completely automatic. And that is all that I have on a serious note thank you guys so much for tuning in thank you guys for joining me thank you guys for spreading the word and subscribing i really really appreciate you guys i know i don't have to say it all the time but i choose to this is episode 14 of season two when we talk about the golden age of serial killers it all started in the early to mid-70s with this group of five. Like Gacy and 33 bodies under his house. Bundy traveling across the country. Raider terrorizing over decades and taunting law enforcement in the media. Jeffrey Dahmer, even today we find his crimes to be on the extreme end of human behavior. Gary Ridgeway, the Green River Killer, confessed to 71 murders over the course of several decades. Five of the most prolific serial killers in American history were all operating at the same time. It was easy for us in hindsight to say, well, why didn't that person get caught? Or why why weren't people looking for them? I think we have to keep in mind historically the era In the 70s, in the United States was an innocent sort of place. You find this sort of trusting environment. It was normal for people to just hang out with strangers and to hop in a strange car. The murder of people in series has police departments across this country worried. Law enforcement didn't have a definition for serial killers. Those police officers back in the 70s just simply did not have the tools that law enforcement officers have now. Being able to quickly run a name in a database, that's something that didn't exist. There were no computers. No internet. No cell phones. No DNA. There were no surveillance cameras. Record keeping was in the back of everybody's drawer. We didn't yet have the 911 system. And these killers took full advantage of that. John P. A. B. T. K. Jeffrey Dahmer. Green River Killer. Coming this fall, Milk and Cereal, a true crime podcast where we talk about America's most infamous serial killers. Hosted by myself and my best friend, Farrah. Join us every Saturday morning for Breakfast and Murder. Now it is time for my thoughts. Fear and insecurities are two very, very dangerous emotions and can really, really affect your relationships. I put insecurity in the same basket as jealousy and envy. Very, very ugly, very, very ugly, very, very dangerous. I feel like in order for you to be in a healthy, happy relationship, you have to heal from your past. And if it's things that you can't move past from, you have to learn how to assess it and don't bring your baggage into your relationship. Um, The people that you with and that love you should not have to suffer or not have to be penalized for the things that have happened in your life or from things that other people have done in your life. That's where a lot of these insecurities come from as far as well as being happy within yourself. When you're not happy with yourself, you become very insecure of who you are what you have to bring to the table a lot of self-doubt comes in and when that happens you start to question the people around you and question the validity of the relationships with people around you and it's not fair to those people fear sometimes can be good But mostly fear can be bad. You know, when you have healthy fear, that is apprehensive. Sometimes that's your gut. Sometimes it's your, you know, your instinct telling you something ahead is wrong. You know, don't do this because this can happen. That's the healthy fear. But don't be afraid to be happy. Don't be afraid to love. Don't put your fears off into your relationship. Again, healthy fear is okay. It's okay to be in a prison relationship and fear if you're being used, if you're being a uh, um, a get get by card, you know, if you're being a benefit, it's okay to have that fear of the place that you are in someone's life, but you talk about it. You talk about that fear and the, if someone loves you and the person that you're with, if they can't give you something to reassure you then you must move on listen to that gut listen to that fear but it can also hurt your relationship because with fear it births insecurities and again you have to be able to be real with yourself one with yourself love yourself be happy with yourself so that these things do not play into your relationship when you're dealing with someone incarcerated, it's a little bit different. We on the outside kind of move through life differently versus a person who's incarcerated. Their insecurities are not just with their relationship. You're talking about grown people who are now being told what to do, how to do, when to do. Um having to think about the world changing on the outside while they are in the inside. You know, it breeds a lot of insecurity too. Am I going to be good enough when I get out? Am I going to be able to do this when I get out? You know, how am I going to be able to survive when I get out? You know, especially if you're trying to change and not go back into the person that you was, you will become insecure. And a lot of those insecurities, unfortunately, will be taken out onto the people that's closest to them, which nine times out of ten will be the person that they are in a relationship with so you have to first and foremost make sure that you build a very very strong foundation where you talk about your fears and you talk about your insecurities you guys are there to protect each other to build each other so as you talk about your insecurities and you talk about your your fears The one that you love, the one that you're in this relationship with should be able to reassure you, should be able to give you a lot of positive affirmations um, to make you feel different. And... Once that foundation is really strong, it's unbreakable. It's an unbreakable bond. You know, you have to be aware of a lot of people on the outside. You know, sometimes people can put things in your head, tell you different things that they've experienced, that they've gone through. And a lot of those things will creep into your mind as well. So you have to be really mentally, mentally strong and very, very strong on what you have in your relationship so that no one can really penetrate that thought of penetrate your 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 love or your relationship um, to that degree where it it ruins it it because it because it can insecurities and fear can really destroy um, your relationship and it's it's very sad when that happens because all. Only thing that happens with that is that it's gonna happen again. It's gonna happen again. You're gonna eventually take that same behavior on to something else. So you have to really build a strong foundation, you have to really communicate when those type of things um creep in. I mean, I have gone through them, my relationship has gone through them, and we talk about it. You know, we definitely talk about our fears, we talk about our insecurities, we talk about the what ifs, and we talk about well, what if this happens? We try to cover every single thing so that at least we know in all fairness how each other really feels, what one won't do, what one will do, um, and try to support each other when we do have those those feelings those negative feelings are those feelings that really really bother us because it's very easy for them to um you just have to stay positive you just have to stay positive try to continue to uplift each other and like i say communicate communicate your insecurities but most of all most of all work on yourself work on yourself and again if it's things that have happened to you that you can't control that you can't stop just understand the line understand the line don't cross the line and make the person that you with carry that baggage don't make them suffer fear is natural insecurities they're natural because of experiences in life, because of different incidents that we've had in life. But you can overcome it. You can definitely overcome it as long as you do the work for yourself and do the work for your relationship. Mental evaluations I think are are important. I think are very important. I think it's very important for us to understand and be very empathetic and put ourselves in the shoes of some of these people and try to figure out why they did what they did. There's no way that you can tell me that if I walk in on a five-year-old getting molested by somebody who molested me, that I'm not going to be in my right state of mind. I'm telling you, I'm not. I'm telling you, I'm not. No, we're not supposed to take a life. You know, this is not vigilante justice, but I'm, you know, my personal thought process, you guys might not, you know, might not like me afterwards, but I am so sorry. I don't like the fact that we try to make a hero into a villain. This is a child predator. This is someone who preys on children. I don't think that people are given fair trials when they don't try to find out mentally where these people are even their background even their history you know if you think about the movie on um, the blind side um The guy had a test done for his IQ testing or whatever. He tested so low when it came to a lot of educational things, but he tested so high when it came to defense, when it came to protecting the things that he loved and protecting what was important to him. And that's why they decided to put him on on the football team because he scored so high in defense. He scored so high in defense. You really have to know the people that you're dealing with and what they're, where their mental is because if you're dealing with a person that's a protector and a defender, 100%, this is who they're made up of. These are the people that are going to protect and they're going to do what they have to do to protect. That's all they're going to see. That's all that they know. And I really think it's really important that we take a lot of these things into consideration. I think a lot of these tests should be done to really get a breakdown of who these people really are and why they react the way they react some people yes are malicious some people are just evil some people are just walking around here doing the devil's work hands down hands down you don't even need an evaluation for that but the crazy part is is that they give them to them they give them those tests to prove that this is a psychopath you know that this is a straight murderer killer has has no remorse for life or anything but I think it should work on both ends I think it should definitely be a way to help get a better understanding of why some of these people do what they do when they go into protective mode and those are my thoughts those are my thoughts thank you guys so much for tuning in and joining me and listening and subscribing and passing the word on I really 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 appreciate you guys so much I love you guys so much um thank you thank you so much Wetlock chronicles milk and cereal and the third side podcast are all a part of 1329 media and production company rt brand llc and extra entertainment for more information on our media services contact us at 1329 media productions at com. quick update guys Patreon to become a Patreon, just go to the Patreon uh, platform and look up Wetlock Chronicles podcast. I have a four tier membership five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, and forty dollars. The forty dollar membership gets you everything, including free merch every three months. So, everything that I come up with, whether it's t shirts, cup, uh, stationery, bags, face mask, whatever it is. Every three months, if you have the $40 membership, you get free merch. Every three months, Wetlock Chronicles podcast is now on Amazon Music. The third side oh my gosh, the third side podcast is coming, guys. I promise you, me and Brandon are just Our schedules are conflicting, but I promise you we are going to get in to the studio and start recording as soon as possible, hopefully on Sunday. But the Third Side podcast is available on Amazon Music. It's available on Spotify. It's available on Apple. It's available on iHeart. As soon as we put the first episode out there, Please don't hesitate to join us. I think you guys will love this podcast. This is a truth podcast. We're going to have a lot of fun doing this podcast. Milk and cereal. True crime. Who does not love true crime? I watch true crime, true, true crime all day long. This is a true crime podcast. It will be dropping at the end of August. Please stay tuned. It will definitely be available on all um platforms to listen to i will continue to update up uh, updates you guys i am so tongue-tied oh my god let me breathe okay i will continue to update you guys um when we will be dropping milk and cereal to promote your brand or your business please email thirteen twenty twenty nine media and productions at gmail.com now PSA guys, PSA. If you're looking for wedding services, if you are ready to marry your inmate or whatever, any kind of services, your bar mitzvah, (laughs) your regular wedding when he comes home or she comes home. I don't know if I told you guys, but I said, I was going to talk about this more. I am an ordained minister. I can perform any kind of services wherever I do have credentials um if needed. So if you guys would like for me to officiate your unions, um please email me at wetlock chronicles podcast. I cannot wait. I haven't done it yet, but I'm super excited for when I am able to perform my first service for the first time. So if you need my services, guys, email me at wetlock chronicles podcast. If you want to donate, support, buy your girl some coffee or some lunch, you can cash app Wetlock Chronicles. Anything you donate, anything you do, coffee, lunch, support, whatever will be appreciated. It's always appreciated. Cocktails, the cocktails. um, recipes will be on a Patreon account. Everything that I talk about will be on Patreon. Links, videos, pictures, everything is on Patreon. To get the book of the month or the app of the week, make sure you check the Patreon account. I will start um, posting it Also, in the footnotes of each episode, I am an Apple partner and I do need to talk about this more. Please forgive me. It's just so many things that have been going on in my life. So I'm trying to get my bearings back together. But I will be posting the book of the month and the app of the month within the footnotes of each episode and on a Patreon account. You will have a link to click that will give you um, one of my codes where you can get a discount and everything. So be on the lookout for that um, in the footnotes and on a Patreon account. Also, please sign a petition for Matthew Baker Jr. and Christopher Bennett. Those also will be on Patreon and in the link in the footnotes of every 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 episode. And that is all I have, guys, for the updates. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys for joining me. Please stay subscribing. Please stay passing the word on 35 states, 9 countries. Guys, thank you. Thank you so much for supporting me, So for supporting this podcast. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. This is episode 14 of season 2. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Anchor, FM, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please be sure to follow this podcast on Facebook and Instagram under Wetlock Chronicles Podcast. Twitter, Wetlock Podcast. Patreon, Wetlock Chronicles Podcast. And you can email Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>